Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the In Real Deep podcast. I'm your host, Steve Cimino, senior writer at InRealDeep.com, and with me, as always, executive editor Andrew Johnson. Hello, Andrew. Happy best of 2017 to you. Yes, sir. Our cramming for our final exam is finally done. So. I know. <laughs> as, as you noted before we started, we, we got it done really early this year. We, we didn't put this podcast out until March of 2017, so we are way out of the curve. Yeah, and uh, maybe we're just... I don't know. It's kind of a weird year. We actually we didn't have a lot of overlap in what we saw, but I feel like that, that led to be- better coverage for this list and also for the blog, but maybe not maybe our conversation won't be as interesting <laughs> um, as a result but you know we we covered a lot but we didn't have uh, a lot of overlap so um so maybe that was why we were able to get it done or maybe we're just old and tired and we just want to get it out there so we're definitely a little old and tired i think we also busted our butt though to give ourselves a little credit at the end of the year True. and saw all the things we really wanted to see so True. that always helps yes. a lot Yes, yes, indeed. Well, if you haven't seen our best of 2017 list, go to inrealdeep.com and check it out. It's going to be the top item. You can also find it on Facebook on our In Real Deep page. It's very accessible. It'll be very prominently listed. And Andrew and I, again, did a combined list to make it easy. Uh, we, we made competing ones for several years. There's really no point in that. <laughs> There's really no need to compete in that regard. So we just mashed them all together again for maximum efficiency. It's a bad SEO play, if nothing else. Yes, absolutely. Steve's <laughs> favorite movies doesn't really carry a lot of weight in the SEO world. I just, just want to know what weirdo is typing. <laughs> Only the first name of someone's favorite. <laughs> oh, this Steve sounds good. Let's see what he likes. <laughs> well, like we said, go check out our best of list before you go any further on this podcast. But we, we wanted to sit down and really sort of talk about our choices. And look, we always do pick a best movie of the year. The last uh, three years we've done that, and then we're going for a fourth one this year. At the end of this podcast, we will choose In Real Deep's favorite movie of the last 12 months. So that's always fun. We've made some good choices so far. I, I think history looks back kindly on all of our choices, though they are a little eclectic, I guess, in terms of yeah. what they focus on. But th- I think we've done a pretty good job. And we were even looking through our past top 10 lists. We've done a pretty good job, I would say. There's not too many stinkers. We, we sort of have our finger on the pulse of, and, and still enjoy the choices we made back then. Yeah, and uh, yeah, so the so the, we realized sort of coming coming together to do this that this is the fifth year Steve's been doing it on the site. I think your top ten lists go back even further than that, uh, much further. And so I think it's the seventh year for me. So we may kind of just that was kind of fun to go through. So we may kind of in the next few months go you know do something that sort of celebrates five years doing this together. Um, and I think our past so our past three movies of the year were Whiplash. Creed and Moonlight. Um, so I, I agree with you. I think those, especially the Creed one, is a little odd. But uh, Creed's great, though. I don't think you know, I don't think anyone. Movie still. Yeah, yeah so. I don't think anyone regrets choosing Creed. It, it's just it's not the one you'd expect to see. But yeah. I remember that year we just both were on a high. We both we both loved it. And what else can you do, right? Yeah, that was a great. And you know, sort of without getting too philosophical about the list, but that was a great in theater movie experience that. Uh, I loved, and I think a lot of it was, it was such a pleasant surprise too, at least to me. Um, so you know, I, yeah, I stand by that. I stand by the others too. Whiplash was great, and um, you know, obviously, I, I think Moonlight's going to look really good um, in a few years' time. I think it already looks good. And we had none of the drama on the selection process there. No, so. we just picked it. 
<laughs> but you made a great point too, and you referenced it just now, sort of, in talking about you know the movie theater experience we had with Creed. You know how we choose these movies has sort of changed to a certain extent. Like you have a kid now, so you don't get to go out to the theater as much. I fortunately got to see a lot of these in theaters, and I think you know for me the theater experience played a role in a bunch of them. But I, th- I think we're just you know we're, we're interpreting these through a different lens. Obviously, we're getting older, wiser, mature, and I think it just changes how we put our list together to a certain extent. Yeah. So for me, like I, you know, there's always this, I, I, I truly, even though I realize that lists are arbitrary and stupid and we kind of put them out there for, you know, to get attention. As our award shows. Uh, yeah. Um, I, I do, I do have always felt this sort of central tension between, you know, wanting to look good historically because you put it out there and then you can always go revisit it in a couple of years time and see how much of an idiot you were um, <laughs> versus just, sort of giving into the giving into how I really I really felt about a, a movie when I saw it and um, I've, I've certain I, I, I still take both of those into account um, but I've I've really started personally to swing more towards the just pure enjoyment of a, of a movie um, uh, spectrum of things and in, in putting together my list which maybe is just also me getting more comfortable with this after doing it for a lot of years and um, uh, and worrying less about you know what someone might might think of my my questionable opinion anyway. So <laughs> yeah. I think that's a good way to be. I think you know, and and I remember when we started doing the list to get a little inside baseball again. I used to call it Steve's favorite movies as opposed to the best of because I usually didn't. I personally didn't always look at it as the best movies of the year. It, I, I always felt like it was more of a subjective choice anyway. And obviously, I think most people assume that when I read the list anyway. It's your yeah. list. It's your choices you're going to pick the ones you like the most for better or worse. But yeah, I think that, I think that's to me, that has always made a good amount of sense. Like you can't separate the theater experience or the fond memories. When you look back at a movie, like neither one of us is a film student necessarily. We're not, right. you know, taking apart shot by shot for the most part. We're just, we're right. taking it in as an emotional entity and appreciating it and enjoying it on its merits in that regard usually. So to me, that it makes a lot of logical sense. Yeah, and it's, I mean, it's honestly how we approach a review anyway, right? So, in, like, or they, at least that's how I do it. I think that's how you do as well. Like, the, the review is just uh, us putting virtual pen to virtual paper on, you know, what basically what I would tell a friend if at a party if they asked me about movie X, right? So, um, and I get, it's funny, I now, because I, we've been doing this so long, I bet you get, get this too a lot. People literally ask me uh, out of the blue. Um, like I have a former colleague who like, I never hear from him. Uh, I, like we haven't worked together in like six years. Uh, we weren't particularly close, but he always like G chats me this time of year to ask me what movie I think is going <laughs> to win the Oscars, which I like I, is very, is, is very flattering, I guess. But, uh, <laughs> I was going to say a swell of pride, right? It also speaks to how much time we, we waste on this stuff. But, uh, you know, like that, that's really what we're trying to do here, I guess is, is sort of, uh, it's sort of, I mean, some people go hiking, some people go biking, some people enjoy the outdoors, and we sit, watch movies, and then write about them for 700 words. Yeah. 
I, I totally hear what you're saying, and, and I, I always love getting asked my opinion as well. That always makes me feel a little good. But sometimes, you know, we, we like I said, we don't write these reviews looking at it, you know, like a real professional critic in a lot of ways. And sometimes when I write about something like Paul Thomas Anderson's Phantom Thread, and Paul Thomas Anderson crafts these beautiful shots and spends so much time and effort, and, and, and you know, the costumes are amazing, and, like, this whole the, the whole ambiance of everything is so picture perfect. And when I write the review, like, I, I don't, I only mention the costumes or even the shots. And I go back later and I go, fuck, why didn't I mention any of those things? Yeah. Like, but it's just, it do, it's not what sticks with me in the moment. So like, I, I sort yeah. of, in my head, I'm like, oh, the, of course those things are great. That's almost what you always expect from him. Mm-hmm. But how does the story and the characters and all that resonate? Because to me, that's what I look at first. And it does make me feel like a bit of an amateur when we're, you know, putting together a list like this. But again, what, what am I going to, what are we going to do? We are who we are, you know? We don't sell ourselves as, as masters of the craft. We, we just, we, we try and give people an honest take on what we think about things yeah well i i mean to give us a little credit back i think i actually think that's how a lot of professional critics approach like effectively especially when you think about like in the newspaper right um effectively what they're doing is is breaking down a piece of art um and telling the common man whether they should spend 15 dollars on it right so i that's actually really what criticism is for a lot of them so yeah i know what you mean about like breaking down you know we're neither of us as film students so especially when you break down the sort of technical aspects of a movie it can be um, a little bit of a challenge because i think you and i are both writers we get caught up in the narrative and characters more than we do in the execution uh i always do try to try to get that in there um if i can but yeah you know that's 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 kind of how it goes but that's what a review is that's how you that's 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 what we're all about. That's how we would explain it to again to someone at a party or at a bar or something like that if they asked us. So. Sure. And frankly, if we were getting paid for, we might spend a little more time on it. Anyway, <laughs> we're trying to we're trying to force this shit out in between going out and raising our children and and eating dinner. You know, we have a lot of other real jobs. We have a lot of other things factoring in. So we do as the best as, we can. Yeah. As soon as people start paying us for it, then we'll uh, then then we'll take the great courses film <laughs> that's right. version. Uh, that's until right. then. So then, <sighs> well, let's, let's talk about it. Well, before we get into our top ten, let's do a quick beverage of choice because I have a wonderful little drink to accompany our top ten discussion here. I have the Coronado Brewing Coastwise Session IPA, and it's a delicious session IPA. It's like six percent, so it's not really a session IPA as I would define it, but <laughs> it's delicious, and it's a collaboration with them and the Surf Rider Foundation, which I believe is an organization that helps the seas keep the seas safe and and natural and all that good stuff. So I think I'm helping the earth as I drink this beer. Well, you're doing more than I am. Um, <laughs> uh, and that's quite, I believe that session IPA is quite strong for a session IPA. It's, I think so. It's at, that's at like a regular IPA level. <laughs> um, I am drinking a jailbreak, jailbreak brewing company, infinite Amber ale. That's a Maryland brewery here. Um, they're, they're awesome. There we go. Two local brands for where we live. That's a good job. Supporting the, the little guy. Yeah. By local. That's right. But read your blog, movie blogs anywhere around the world. <laughs> That's right. In realdeep.com, it's accessible worldwide. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, Andrew, let's talk a little bit about the top, top <clears throat> ten list. And like you noted, we, we haven't seen a lot of each other's movies, so we can't necessarily yeah. nitpick them to death, nor would I think we necessarily want to. But yeah. I, I, I thought, you know, this was... Uh, 
when I looked at my top 10 list as I was sort of forming it a, a month and a half or two months ago, I remember thinking, oh, this is going to be, this is a bad year. Like, I I guess I can fit a couple of these in here. And I've enjoyed, you know, there were some good early things that came out, but there was a dearth of, you know, six, seven, eight, nine, ten stuff that I was actually excited about. And luckily, here we are, at the you know, in early 2018. And I think the last two months, you know, were really great. And there were a couple of the things that I ended up seeing really sort of filled those gaps. And I, I don't know if it's a top-heavy year, but I think from one, to 10 we, we feel pretty good about the stuff we put on there yeah i feel like we go through the same thing every year where we're like we get to like september we're like man what a, a shitty year so far <laughs> um and and some of that's the schedule you know like most of the you know movies that are typically end up on top 10 lists like this end up or uh or end up on the schedule in october onward um so there's some of that, but I, I agree. Like I was actually surprised, you know, and I think we each saw about 40, 40 movies this year, uh, 2017 releases. I was surprised when I actually, you know, wrote or sat down last weekend to write out the list, like how easy it was for me, um, to, to come up with, with, with an easy eight, it was an easy eight. And then number nine was lady bird, which I was, as I referenced in there, was kind of, I was kind of hemming and hawing about, not because I don't think it's a great movie, but just because it didn't. I'm not as effusive in terms of how I feel about that movie as other people are. So that got me to nine, and then it was like picking the tenth one um, was uh, was it? It wasn't that hard. So I, I guess I agree with you. I, what I'm getting at is I, I was surprised how easy it was for me to do that, given where my what my list looked like in like September or October, or <laughs> even a hypothetical list. Um, so so yeah, I, but I some of that kind of happens every year some of that maybe there was maybe it was truly backloaded i mean there are other years recently like i think two years ago when ex machina came out like where i had like most of the list done before um before you know like november which was when my daughter was born incidentally so that was convenient that year <laughs> um but uh anyway yeah so i don't know some sometimes that happens sometimes Sometimes maybe we just weren't seeing the right movies early in the year. There were definitely a couple that I added in later that I uh, or that I added in that were easy choices for me that were from earlier in the year. Um, so. And like I said, we both did a good job, I think, at the end of the year when, with our free time and catching up on the stuff that we hadn't necessarily seen before. So we, we packed them into the end. I think you touched on one of the more interesting movies of this year that we should definitely talk about. And that's Lady Bird. And it's yep. one of the three movies that we both, you know, sort of at the top of our best of 2017 list because of the, the overlap we have, we always list those, you know, the top to show, you know, where the in real deep guys, you know, coincide. But I know you did not love it, though you liked it, obviously, it made your list. And I didn't love it either. I think I probably liked it a little more. But it's it's one of those, you know, that that's sort of what I wrote about in my little blurb here. And I think, you know, it's what most people have talked about when they've thought about the movie is because it, it was, you know, heralded for its 99% Rotten Tomatoes score. Everyone loves this movie. It's the most beloved movie of the year. But I don't, I think it's one of those, and some people certainly did love it, but to me, it was one of those things that there, it's hard to dislike it. Like, it's hard to yeah. quibble. It's super well made. Everyone in it is incredibly charming. Chase, Tracy Letts is going to make the In Real Deep Hall of Fame soon. He's just, <laughs> he just had a banner year, and we love him. He's great on the show, Divorce. He's just a, he's just wonderful. He's a great screenwriter and playwright. He does everything. But everyone in Lady Bird is so great, and it's just so well done that even if it didn't tug at your heartstrings as much as it did others, it's really hard to quibble with it too much or find a lot of flaws. Yeah, and that the the thing about that movie because it was so personal to to Greta Gerwig is it was is it, it just 
dripped with authenticity you know it like it felt like more than more than a usual coming of age story which which is is the kind of movie that can be very formulaic uh it just felt and it, it it's still hewed to those those broad strokes i think but it it um it just felt very real and lived in and that sort of thing um i i think i put this in my in my note like it actually one of the reasons I actually am more excited just about what else Greta Gerwig can do as a filmmaker because she proved so um, so utterly competent, and that's probably way underselling it. But, <laughs> but um, she she proved so you know she did such a great job there, and in a year when we're talking about female directors and how important that is and all that stuff, um, you know that's sort of one of the stories of the year. Like that was one of the things that like so I'm from that perspective, I'm almost more excited to see what she can do next then I am like too concerned with celebrating Lady Bird. I think it's a very nice movie and I think people should see it, but I don't, to me, it was like, like we don't, we don't rank them, but I think for both of us, it was down near the bottom of our 10. Um, uh, if, if we had to sort of put them in order, some sort of order. Yeah, I would agree with that as well. And again, that's not a slight. If we've seen 40 movies and it's one of our top 10, that's pretty great. And we both would give it a thumbs up for sure. But yeah, it's just, uh, it, it it wasn't something that I'm necessarily gonna probably remember for all my days, but I, in the heat of, and, and Lori Metcalf is getting some potential awards buzz. She's one of the you know front runners for an awards, and that's one of the that's one of the award you know possible nominees that I would love to see win. I like when people truly come out of sort of nowhere in that regard. Yeah. She was so great in that Louis C.K. show. We can't talk about Louis C.K. as much anymore, unfortunately. But Horace <laughs> and Pete, she had, there was one episode that was literally just a Lori Metcalf monologue, and it's one of the most captivating things I've ever seen on a TV. I I watched on my computer but in a, in a tv style format it was truly amazing and you know from there which was that was you know not very well seen at all but for her then to, to go on the ladybird and do something that's getting awards praise like i just think she's really a great actress and i remember her on the norm show back in the day when norm mcdonald had a tv show and she was the female lead on that and she was amazing so i could not support laurie metcalf more if that's the takeaway from ladybird is that laurie metcalf is great then then, then greta gerwig has done an amazing job well, I mean, everyone's great in that movie. Like, yeah. And, and I, I, with you, I love Laurie Metcalf. I love her going back to the original Roseanne show. Like, she was really funny on Roseanne. And, um, uh, yeah, everyone's great in it. Saoirse Ronan is obviously, you know, she's fast sort of turning into one of the best actresses we have. Um, I thought her friend, her, her uh, Beanie Feldstein is her name. Oh, yeah. Hilarious. Um, and, uh, uh, yeah, and like you said, Tracy Letts was was terrific in it as well. So we you know, love but, Tracy Letts. Yes, we do. Um, <laughs> although uh, we we can have the Hall of Fame discussion another time, but I think Michael Stolberg don't sleep on him, and also he was in Shape of Water too. So oh, he... Stolberg and and Tracy Letts were just in a lot of things this year. <laughs> Stolberg, he was in The Post, he was in Shape of Water, and he was in um, Call Me by Your Name, and they were all they're all going to be potential Best Picture nominees. It's pretty amazing. Well, he's an amazing actor. And I will say, you haven't seen Call Me By Your Name yet, and I won't spoil too much, but I wrote about this in, in the honorable mention. 
the there's a and if you uh, read film blogs, you've probably heard about this already. But Michael Stolberg has a monologue near the end of Call Me by Your Name that I couldn't tell you the last time I've cried that much in a movie theater. Like it is beyond beautiful. And w- again, without spoiling too much, the whole movie you're sort of wondering like, why is Michael Stolberg in this role? Like he's just a portly dad. Like what the fuck? And then he does this, and you go, oh, I get it. Thank you, Michael Stolberg. You are the best. So I look forward to you seeing that just so we can we can bullshit about it because it really is tremendous. And use Shape of Water so you can see what it has to do with a fish monster lady romance. <laughs> Let's load up on that stool barg. <laughs> so I have to bring something up. And I have to bring it up because I was arguing about it on our we, – we posted this on our Facebook page today. and you know, On the shared, internet. On the internet. We put it on the internet and said, okay, internet friends, read our thing. And, of course – I couldn't resist taking a shot at three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri. And my friends couldn't resist commenting on that in some capacity. And there's a whole back and forth. Andrew, you like three billboards. You put it on your top ten. And we haven't – I don't think there's that much to argue because I think you've said before that you you don't disagree a lot with what I said. And you even said that in the top ten list. You don't disagree with the criticisms at large. But I just cannot fathom – why I, I don't get the movie. I don't get what people like. I thought it was uh, – I'm sorting the – and I am sort of letting the, the negative backlash wash over me, but I walked out of it and did not find anything to like really at all. Yeah, well, I mean, for for me, including it on the list was actually harder than I thought it would be after I first saw it. So I'm t- in that degree, I'm sort of sticking with sticking to my guns there because um, I loved it when I walked out of it, walked out of, it, out of mm-hmm. the theater. Um, which I think is really, I think that's really important when we put together this list, uh, especially, especially, especially when you when you see it in the theater. Not for me, like actually to do a total aside, we'll get to Dunkirk in a minute, I'm sure. But um, I, I rewatched Dunkirk out of the theater, um, and wow, what a what a what a different experience that is. <laughs> but anyway, um, so I, anyway, I think especially when you see something in the theater, you have to sort of hook into the visceral you know, the sort of way it made you feel, right? Um, I uh, I guess for me that, that movie comes down to a couple scenes that I really that I really liked, and I wrote about this extensively in the review. Um, it, 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 it's so, and I have no idea if this is what Martin McDonough was going for, but to me, it, it, I found it effective. It, it's so, it, so much of the movie is so over the top. I mean, you can even say, sure, it's it's overacted in a lot of spots. <laughs> I, I wouldn't even argue with that. But there are these small, quiet moments uh, of of like just kindness and human decency, sort of in the middle of all this awfulness, um, that I found to be very powerful. So I'm thinking specifically of like when um, when uh, when Woody Harrel when uh, Francis McDormand's kind of yelling at Woody Harrelson's character and about stabbing the dentist or whatever. And, and then he like spits up blood all over her and she like immediately stops. She comes out of that like angry persona and she just cares about him. I think the other one is um, the guy that Sam Rockwell like threw out of a plate glass window, uh, be offering him a, um, a, a drink in the hospital when they're both. So like, to me, those were, those were really affecting moments. Um, and that that's to me is what I liked about the movie. Um, 
I think you're right. I mean, I think the the I was gonna say the blood spitting scene, and then McDormand's complete dropping of the you know the being a badass and going into being sort of the McDormand we more expect from those movies was to me the best part of the entire movie. Like I found that I jumped in my chair and I thought, but but what for me what that made me think of was. I just did not like McDormand as as the. I felt very uncomfortable watching her be that sort of uh, angry talking badass. I just don't think like, I get trying to do something a little bit that we don't expect. But I just didn't buy it. I was just like, I don't like this Frances McDormand. I don't want to see this Frances McDormand. I don't think it suits her <laughs> acting style. Like everyone else seems to really enjoy it, so I'm glad. And I, and she's great in general. So if, this, if we count this as a lifetime achievement award, I'm fine with that. Like she deserves to get all the praise in the world for her career. But I just didn't get this, and I felt the tone was weird. I think what you're talking. I see what you're saying about the shift from abrupt anger to abrupt kindness is is interesting. But I just felt like it was more emblematic of a movie that didn't really know what it was trying to do and just threw a bunch of shit at the wall and saw what would stick. Like I would Sam Rockwell throwing the guy out of the plate glass window or out the window onto the ground and then receiving a very minimal punishment for it. I was constantly wondering like what world do these characters live in? Like is it our world? Like yeah. it doesn't seem real, you know? It sort of seemed like sort of dreamlike a lot of the times. Yeah. And I just didn't t- stuff like that just stuck with me the entire time. And maybe I got too hung up on it, but I couldn't I couldn't really wrap my head around what McDonough was really going for, why the movie existed at all the way it did. Well, and to me, what you just said there is why I think that, that that's why to me, I kind of discount how realistic the movie is supposed to feel because yes, taken on its face value, none of this stuff like makes sense or would really happen. But I think if, if, and again, I have no idea if that's what Martin McDonough was going for. So maybe I'm seeing something that's not really there, but uh, the the contrast in those moments is what what the movie was all about. But I I don't like like look, I think with any of these any of these lists, and I've I've sort of mocked myself over the years for me and Earl and the Dying Girl, um, <laughs> you know, because they're a snapshot in time. You know, if if there's one movie on my list right now that I'm looking at, I'm like I might regret that in a couple of years, uh, and, and regret it in the sense that I'll. I won't really regret it, but I'll just be like, I could have done better. Um, uh, then I think this could be it. Um, but I, I think the it's it's just there seems to be one of these movies every year, you know, where uh, I I value I value your opinion on this more than I do like the sort of social pop culture commenta- commentators who come in and at this time of year and say why one particular Oscar movie is shitty or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's like, I guess what I'm getting at, this seems like there's one movie every year and La La Land was it last year where there was just like a, a to me, a backlash that was um, even if not incorrect, way over the top. In terms yeah. Of, that's in a terms good point. Of, in terms of uh, where we are. So, I, you know, I, I don't, I, I like again, I care more what you think about this movie because I trust your opinion, and I and I know you care about film mm-hmm. as opposed to these people that are coming in and writing their like slate pitch uh, on you know why movie X is not good. Um, so so and anyway, I, and I like to think that 
that I'm judging because I, I walked out and I didn't like it. And I think I told you that right away. So I know I'm not like being swayed by totally by, valid. By, yeah, yeah, I mean... but but I do. But it does it, it does continue to strike me as odd when something I didn't like at all is the front runner for one of the screenplay awards and best actress and best supporting actor and is probably the front runner for best picture. If only that it's going to rack up all these other ones. And usually when you rack up a bunch, you end up taking up the taking home the big one as well. I just find that perplexing and it doesn't and i like to think it doesn't make me dislike it more but it does lead to at the very least more conversations oh. with it you know with people about it and then i can't help but get riled up and then it just piles up from there well yeah and i i i no, i think it just admit it like i to me i, re, I resent a movie that i don't like getting a lot of accolades <laughs> all um, right that's fair i especially, do especially especially in the context of the oscars which i know we talk about every year don't make any sense and don't really matter but th- just by their nature that means we have to talk about that movie for an extra three months basically yep. <laughs> and um like so I, I i think that's totally fair i mean i i think we both felt that way about birdman a couple of years ago like really are we really still talking about this piece of shit movie um, and now we're talking about it again just because it won an award and we right, are still right. flabbergasted we're by still it still talking about it so <laughs> so yeah i mean i think that that's what it's all that's where i think especially in the context of award season that's where a lot of that stuff comes from so yeah and like you said we're gonna have plenty of rants about award seasons to come that's that's right around the corner and it'll be a weird one and i think it'll be a weird one for the reason that you know as we get and wrap up this conversation we we are like there doesn't seem to be a front runner this year there doesn't seem to be a movie that represents a lot of anything that's going on like maybe because the world is so topsy-turvy insane right now that movies that were made two years ago can't possibly speak to it with any sort of clarity but i don't (laughs) think a lot of people look at the movies that came out this year maybe short of get out just because of how interesting it was in in the way it incorporated race into a horror movie but even then it was still a pretty playful horror movie overall and nothing else really speaks to anything about the time we're in. And I think that's, it doesn't always make, it doesn't always guarantee an Oscar winner, but it usually makes for more spirit of conversation going into, you know, what's the front runner going to be this year? It's like, is it going to be the fish monster movie? Is it going to be the weird racist cop movie? Is it going to be the war movie? Is it going to be the movie about a young girl going to college? Like there's just, it, it feels like a little more haphazard and a little more uncertain than it normally does. Well, I guess that's where I would offer up the post as a potential emerging front runner, I suppose, because um, it is timely. Um, it does have a famous director attached to it. It will have award, you know, uh, acting award nominees attached to it. But yeah, I, I, I think, and, and it was also rushed to production in like in, within a year. So mm-hmm. unlike the rest of these movies, as you're pointing out, they were that that movie was made specifically with what's going on in our country in mind. Um, but yes, I, I agree. It feels very uncertain. I mean, like th- I think this time last year, we pretty much knew like La La Land front runner, Moonlight, pretty much second. I couldn't tell you. I even that, you and Manchester it, by the Sea was probably like and, a a and, bronze medalist yeah, at that point too. And Manchester by the Sea, like even right now, I couldn't sit here and tell you. Even if you say three bill, I mean, I know three billboards won a bunch at gold, the Golden Globes, but the Golden Globes are not necessarily a bellwether. Uh, for that. And so I wouldn't, you sitting here and saying that I, I don't, I don't, it doesn't feel like a front runner. Maybe it is because there's nothing else out there, but 
Um, and The Shape of Water is, apparently is great. You liked it a lot too, but I just find it hard to believe that the Fish Monster movie is going to win Best Picture. That just seems crazy. I have no, I don't think that. There's <laughs> no chance. It won the I Critics' love, Choice Award though, right? I guess that's sometimes a bellwether. I love that movie, but it's, it's, um, it, I just feel like it's going to be too weird <laughs> for, for, Holly, for Hollywood. Like the, the one to me that, that, that I'm a little surprised isn't getting more talk is Dunkirk. Um, I mean, it's like when you think about it, it kind of has a lot of the the things to me when you think about an award winner. Um, and that's one we, we put on our our shared top three, basically. I'm, I'm, I don't know if it's because it came out a while ago, but like to me that like that was an instant classic film. It's got scope and scale. Um, you know, m- maybe the only things that are sort of dragging it down in that context are um, the they're not being, you know, strong uh, or like big acting candidates out of the movie. So it'll pretty much be the movie for best picture and the director, but not much else. Yeah. That anyway. doesn't usually work. I mean, but speaking of Dunkirk, you know, when you and I were talking about our favorite or best movie of the year, we came down to two choices, Dunkirk and get out. And to pull back the veil, we haven't decided up until this point, what <laughs> is going to be our in real D's best movie of the year. Do you have a strong case? Now that we've talked about some movies, do you have a strong case? We barely talked about get out though. I, I know we both loved get out and I watched it again on HBO last week. And I thought it was tremendous. I, I thought it was the best theater experience I had last year. And I, I would say I enjoyed it just as much watching it at home, which is not usually what you'd expect, but I think it, yeah. you know, for what though, it was a great theater experience just for the, you know, horror movie, the crowd getting really excited. And, but, it, but what it does is on such small enough scale that it works watching it on TV as well. You know, it doesn't need to be big yeah. and bombastic. It can work anywhere. Yeah, and I watched it at home, um, so I didn't have that experience. Uh, and, and I agree, it works works great there. Um, I like to me, if I w- if I was just me choosing, I would probably go with uh, a slight a slight edge to Dunkirk, just because I I thought like for an hour and forty minutes, I was just riveted by that that movie. Um, uh, it it may it sort of just tapped into these. Um, emotions, fear, claustrophobia, you know, relief, all that stuff. I thought it was great. Um, I, I can just so easily be talked into Get Out, and I, I almost think that's where we should land. I'll let you make the final call. Uh, but, like, there's something you wrote about it that I didn't even – I guess the reason I, I, I fancy Get Out so much is because it is it is so – it is such an unusual way to unpack um, – the themes it unpacked and, and there's something you wrote um, in your little blurb on it about um, when you hear the sirens and blue and red lights that shine on the main character, Chris at the end, your heart will be in your throat. And um, I, you know, I, I don't even know how I missed that, but the, the, I, my heart was in my throat at that moment, but because it was just the end of a horror movie and I was caught up in a horror movie and I didn't even think about the, why I was so panicked about that. Cause the blue and red lights, police, black man, all that stuff. Um, so I, I, you know, I, I'm very, I'm inclined to almost go with get out for that reason, because I feel like it's a movie that I can watch and rewatch and rewatch and find something new and different each time. Um, that's profound. And it's also a really enjoyable movie. So, I mean, I'm fine with either one. Um, yeah, let's go with I, get, I, I'm, I say get out. Yeah. I, I you get yeah. out. No, yeah. No. <laughs> hey. uh, yeah, I think I think get out is I think get out is the one. Um, rewatchability. I just think, I just think uh, you know, and, and that last scene is so 
perfect because, you know, at a certain point, Jordan Peele does sort of pull back from he makes he makes it more of a traditional horror movie near the end. Like there's bad guys and there's good guys. The race yeah. part is not as explicit, but then by the end, like we said in that last scene, you're so even if you even if you your politics don't necessarily coincide with Jordan Peele's or with right. anyone who thinks that, which is you know whatever. Then you but you will be <laughs> you will be sort of tricks for lack of a better word into feeling the same fear he feels, and I think that's an amazing feat, and that's such a Great. That that's reason enough, like to to make to love this movie and to praise it to death, and to you know recognize how smart it was to tie race so explicitly to to horror in this in that particular genre. I think it's just brilliant. I think, and the fact that it works on so many levels, and the fact that it's so funny, the fact that Bradley Whitford looks like Donald Fagan from Steely Dan. I think there's just so many things to like about it. And I think yeah, I think you know Dunkirk was great, but to me Dunkirk. With, I, with Dunkirk was more, and you talked about this as well in your blurb and in your review, Dunkirk was more like Nolan doing like a n- straightforward linear story for the most part, like not getting so grandiose and confusing us, but like using his skills on on a still a vast scale, but with a more direct purpose. I just love that. I think he's such a skilled filmmaker and I like him at least vacillating between the two, but I didn't, you know, take away a ton from Dunkirk beyond that. I enjoyed it immensely, but it didn't stick with me like Get Out did. Yeah, I think, and I think both of these movies are classics. Like, or, to me, like they they are going to achieve that status. Um, I guess why I'm sort of pulled towards Get Out as we talk through it is just um, uh, the fact that, um, like, I feel like Dunkirk could have made, been made at any time and since like 1950 almost, right? Like, uh, that's overstating it a little bit, but um, <laughs> you know that 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 movie feels like it could have made it, been made at any time and in any place. Uh, Get Out feels like um, it's good. It's a classic, but it also is, it is, it is topical relevant to the world we're living in right now. So maybe that's, you know, again, we're talking about the history versus the, how you feel in the moment sort of thing um, as, which is a fitting place, I guess, for us to land. But um, that's sort of why I, I guess I sort of talk myself into get out at the end there. Um, it does both, both though. Movies. It's They're yeah. It's, it's entertaining in its own right. Like it doesn't have yes. to be tied to anything, yes. but it is particularly poignant at this point in time. So I think that's, yeah. you know, that's a great thing to say about a movie. Yeah, absolutely. All right, get there it is. Get out is in real deep's best movie of 2017. You heard it here. That's I, I feel very good about that. I think we. I, I was hoping we'd work our way to a very satisfying conclusion. I think we did. Yeah, yeah. it's good. We always do. Not always, but sometimes. 2017's in the books. Now we just have two more months of conversation until the Oscars. <laughs> and or... that's going to be exhausting. And <laughs> if you go back to In Real Deep, you check out our podcast. I'm sure we'll write some predictions and do a lot of conversation because it's a hot topic. We're not going to ignore it, but we are going to pontificate about how stupid and useless it is. So, Yeah, I think the nominations are out in a week, so we'll have something to talk about then. Yeah, and they'll be fine. And again, as we always say, it'll it, it's nice to see some smaller movies get that economic boost and the added exposure and all that. Like that that usually justifies its existence enough for me. But I uh, I'm very curious to see how this year goes. I don't I don't expect it will be anything less than frustrating like it usually is. Well, it probably won't be as memorable as last year. Certainly not the cer- from a ceremony perspective. So. No, most likely not. But maybe they'll get. Sometimes they get it right. So maybe we'll get lucky this time. <laughs> maybe. All right, everyone. 
as always, we really appreciate you listening and joining us all throughout 2017. If you haven't gone to inrealdeep.com and checked out our best of 2017 list, please do so. And you can read all about our movies. We have the three ones that we like the most, and we have... 14 others plus an honorable mention so we talk about plenty of movies we reviewed almost every single one i was the only one who did not review two of my movies because i got lazy slash sleepy slash saw one of them on a plane a week ago and did not have time to write a review of it because it came out eight months ago but doesn't make them any less good just means we didn't give them a full review so whoops sorry we're not professionals again we're doing it for free so we we're not perfect I would just close with the thought that the reason we didn't put your favorite movie from this year on the list is because we didn't like it. Yes. <laughs> if you want to complain, go to <laughs> facebook.com forward slash in real deep and yell at us and comment on our things and, and get involved in the conversation. We would love to hear from you. We may not, we may just quietly like your posts and then move away, but we, we love the <laughs> chatter for sure. Yeah. This is the best time of the year for chatter. So we always appreciate that. Sure is. All right, Andrew, thank you again for a great 2017. It's been a pleasure doing this with you as always. Yep. And thanks to everyone (laughs) listening. Thanks to downloading the NRLD podcast. Stick with us through 2018. As long as the world doesn't end, we'll be here doing a lot more reviews and sharing a lot more cinematic goodness with everyone. So, as always, we'll be seeing you further on up the road. Adios. Adios.